Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of Today's Homeowner Radio. Danny Lipford here along with my co-host, Joe Truini. And, man, we've got a great hour lined up for you here. A lot of things we're going to be talking about. How about how to insulate a wall that's never been insulated that's 100 years old? Yes, it can be done. It takes a little bit of process, but we're going to talk with a homeowner about that, see if we can't help them make their home a little more energy efficient. We have a few bathtub problems that we're dealing with and also more tips on removing that stubborn vinyl wallpaper. Also, Joe, what about that simple solution that's right around the corner? All right, Danny, I have a quick tip on how to add extra storage to your ventilated shelving. Ventilated shelving is that wire rack shelving you see in pantries and closets and in the kitchen and the bathroom. And and so there's a really quick tip here on how to increase that storage dramatically. All right. Looking forward to that. And you can look forward to a lot of great tips that we're going to be sharing with you. And we want to hear from you. We want to hear what's what's challenging you around your house. Or you might have been kind of playing on the Internet a little bit and got a bunch of conflicting opinions. Well, we'll tell you what has worked well for us. All you have to do, pick up the phone and call us 800-946-4420. Or you can send us an email anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash Ask. We have a number of calls that came in on the hotline. Let's tackle a few of those right now. I have an old-type bathtub, but we put a surround around it on the two ends and one in the back part. But over the years, it has changed color from white to a mustardy yellow. I want to know if there's anything I can do to that to make it white again if I have to paint it or what the remedy is. Well, a mustard color is just yeah. not what you want in your <laughs> That's in your bad, uh, bathroom there. Um, I just really would hate to suggest painting it. You can paint it, you can sand it, paint it with a good quality uh, paint, and it'll look pretty good for just a little while, but it's just not going to hold up with the movement that you're going to have on that. We can assume that it's an acrylic type of surround, but not much that can be done to that other than a really good cleaning, wouldn't you say, Joe? Yeah, that's that's the only thing. I mean, these surrounds you know whether they're acrylic or fiberglass base or whatever sometimes the the ones that aren't really well made will change color you know regardless mm-hmm. of what you do you know, it's not doesn't have anything to do with your water or your cleaning habits they just turn yellow you first have to clean it really well with any kind of non-abrasive cleaner just so you don't scratch it up too much and then make a paste or a poultice one of danny's favorite words yeah, make a, a thick paste out of baking soda and water smear it on there, let it sit for maybe an hour or so, then scrub it off with a soft bristle nylon brush, you know, dipped into some warm water. And that'll just get it as clean as you can get it. Okay, so now what? Well, they do make a thing at the auto parts store called, I think it's called a whiting polish, an auto whiting polish. So you can, you can apply that as directed and then clean it off, then apply, uh, again, you go back to the auto parts store and get some uh, wax, and wax it, and that'll do. That'll help protect it. Now, this is assuming it comes out white. If it doesn't come out white, mm-hmm. then you know the wax is not really not going to help much. But usually, with the with the baking soda, you can get it about as white as you can get it, um, and then hopefully, you know, 
with that wax coat, it won't yellow again. Joe, you know, another thing when you're talking about uh, a poultice and you're talking about yeah. baking soda, um, if you have a big photo shoot coming up and you really want to get those teeth nice and white. Oh, boy, you, here we go. You could get, 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 make you a poultice out of baking okay. soda and hydrogen peroxide. And uh-huh. uh, then just brush and brush and brush. Probably you don't want to swallow it very often. but uh, Yeah, it just, wouldn't hurt you, it, but you probably will yeah. don't, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or, Does that work? Or, hit, or take a shot of, of vinegar while you're doing it. You said that, take a it, shot of something. I didn't know where that, you were going with that. Yeah, the shot of vinegar along with that uh, baking soda. And, man, you're, you're <laughs> going to have quite an exciting time there at your sink vanity. Okay, take, everything, take I just said, <laughs> everything I just said, I'm kidding. Don't try that. Do not do that. <laughs> take a shot of Jack Daniels. You won't care what your teeth look like. There you go. Let's go back to the Today's Homeowner Hotline for another call. How do I find studs in the wall and everything? I've been looking for nails or anything that's give me an idea where the wall studs are where I can hang stuff in my laundry room. That's a great Alrighty. question. We yeah, haven't gotten that in a question. while. And th- there's a number of ways you can do it. One way is the old knuckle that you just go along there <laughs> with your ear close to the wall, and you can tell when you hit the studs. What and, if you don't uh, have an old knuckle? Oh, well, just get a new Find knuckle someone. and yeah. just um, bump around on there, and you can hear the hollowness and then the solidness, knowing that right. the vast majority of walls are built on 16-inch centers. You know, that's another way. If you find one nail or one – and get that light. Get you a good bright light up there close, and it can highlight those. Then you have the magnet type of stud finders, which Chelsea really likes, the little bitty simple primitive uh, magnet, basically, that you move around on right. the wall and it highlights exactly where the nails are or they have some very good stud finders and stud sensors that you can use that are electronic that range anywhere from $9 to $80 and it can locate that some of them even will tell you any of the electrical lines that are in there but um after you after you do that a little while Joe you kind of get a, a kind of a understanding of right. you have a you have a corner come over 16 inches come over 32 inches you're going to be getting pretty close to where those studs are yeah like danny said you're typically 16 inch line center and you can almost assume that a wall outlet or a wall switch is attached to a stud so on one side or the other um also you're talking about the magnet danny i was reminded of one of my favorite simple solutions we shot a couple of months ago which is just a little round magnet on a string and oh you just, yeah. Oh yeah. Remember that? That was, that was fun. Yeah. yeah, if you go if you go to todayshomeowner.com slash simple solutions and and uh, type that into the search box, you'll find it. Just type in magnet stud finder or something. And you're basically just a magnet on a string, you just very slowly slide it back and forth, up and down, and it will eventually hit a head of a screw or a nail. Mm-hmm. And you start at about four feet high because sheetrock is drywalls typically run horizontally and so there's a seam four feet off the floor so that's another way to find those studs all right let's grab one more call from the today's homeowner hotline my future ex-wife decided to move out and uh, we had a rubber mat with suction cups on it in our cast iron tub and when she pulled up the rubber mat it pulled up the top layer of the enamel in the tub by the drain and now it holds water in the damaged area. The yeah. guys talked about a kit. A friend said Bondo to fill the area in auto body paint, and it looked good. Thank you. All right. Can I, well, can I just say that when, <laughs> when your wife moves out and she has to take the rubber mat from the tub, she is angry at you. Yeah, She's I was taking say, there, everything. 
that wasn't a peaceful <laughs> departure there at all, especially starting wow. out my future ex-wife. He uh, kind of had a little <laughs> chuckle in his voice there. I, yeah. I wish you, I wish you all the the best on all of that. Uh, uh, that's a kind of an unusual thing, um, you know, for uh, a suction cup or I, mean, I know exactly what he's talking about. One of those right. little anti-skid mats to actually pull the finish from a cast iron tub. It must have already, especially since he mentions a drain, must have already had a little deterioration there. Well, I can tell you this, you know, to clean it up real good, sand it real good, put Bondo on there and paint it with automotive paint is a way to make it look good for a little while and maybe, you know, buy you some time until you do something um, more extensive with that. But it's just not going to hold up very well. And the refinishing kits that are made for homeowners, do-it-yourself kits, boy, that's hit and miss. I mean, look right, at the reviews yeah. on that, and some of them are terrible, and some of them are okay. Um, but that's a that's a real challenge. But you might also look at one of the services that refinish it, have them come over, give you a price. That's the better way of getting it done without having to tear the tub out. Um, and even that's not going to last forever, but it'll last better than any kind of do-it-yourself kit that you're going to go with. Yeah, it sounds like you're right. I mean, I thought this rubber mat pulled off the enamel. I doubt that actually happened. I think what happened is this tub was maybe refinished in the past, maybe done with one of those kits that's not so great, and it pulled up part of the refinishing. Either mm-hmm. way, yeah, he's going to have to patch it, and I would I recommend hiring a professional as well. Or wait a few weeks. If he and his wife reconcile, she'll come back with that mat, just yeah, stick it, it down right in the in same there. spot, be good there as go. new. There you that go. That could How's be that? part of the settlement that they make. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, the- <laughs> I'll take you back, but only if you bring the rubber mat yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah, where's the yeah. rubber mat? I really need it right now. Okay, marriage advice, all kinds of things happening here <laughs> on today's Homeowner Radio. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking about ways of installing insulation in a wall that doesn't have insulation in a house that's 100 years old. It's something that you may be able to use around your home. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. We are so proud of all of the great radio stations that carry the Today's Homeowner Radio Show each and every week, just like KONP AM 1450 and 101.7 FM in Port Angeles, Washington. We really appreciate everybody there in Washington State. We've got a lot of stations up there, a lot of people that listen to us. Hey, we want to help you out. Send us an email anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash ask or 800-946-4420 is the Today's Homeowner Hotline. We'll help you out on any of the challenges that you might be having as a homeowner and also look forward to any comment that you may have or any tip that you may have that's worked well for you in the past. Share it with us, and we'll share it with our audience throughout the country. Right now, we're headed to Indiana. Jeff's on the line. Jeff, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us what's going on around your house there. We have a uh, uh, house that is built in 1905, and... uh, we were the walls are not insulated at all. Uh, we did have the attic sealed and insulated, but uh, I've been reading online about older homes with plaster walls. A lot of times, it's not a good idea to insulate those because you can get moisture in the walls. And I just wanted to 
check with you guys on that, your thoughts on that, having uh, insulation blown in from the outside into the wall cavity. Well, it's done all the time, and uh, the area that I live in, in uh, Mobile, Alabama, uh, has a lot of old homes, and I have done that uh, many, many times. We kind of call it a, a blow-in blanket, and it basically is cellulose that has um, a little bit of a glue mixed with it so that it really kind of forms. It does that, that keeps it from just settling all the way down to the bottom. Now, the challenge that you'll have um, on this, Jeff, now I'm assuming you have wood siding on the outside running horizontally? Um, we do. It's underneath vinyl siding, but yes. Okay. All right. Well, you know, generally what you're going to have to do there in most of the older homes have mid-span blocking that runs horizontal uh -huh. in there. Yeah. So some people call it fire blocking and other different things. So that right. means you're going to have to access your walls high and mid-range. Now, any of the insulation okay. guys that are used to doing retro type of, of jobs like this, they know all about it. And, you know, you'll be able to use your little J-tool to pop that vinyl out all the way around right. the house, two runs, and take care of it, pop it back in. And I'll tell you what, if you get the right company, it's not that big of a job. But, man, will that electric bill and the comfort level of that home significantly improve immediately as soon as that project's done and really save you energy summer and winter so um, I would really take your time to get the right contractor. Make sure you talk with people that um, have used them before and really talk with them, you know, on okay. how did the process go, you know, just the whole thing. And then you sure. get that right contractor in there, and uh, you'll be glad you did. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, Jeff, I had a quick question. Did you have the vinyl siding put on the house, or did it come with it? It, it came that way with the vinyl siding on there. Okay, because I wonder if they – didn't first install, which they often do, if not at least an air, a like Tyvek, an air infiltration barrier, a house wrap. They may have put up, sometimes they put up very thin, maybe like half inch um, foil faced uh, foam board. And that will add a little insulation and help block some moisture. Uh, but, but Danny's right. The fact that you have vinyl siding makes it a lot easier because it can unzip it at the, up near the top of the wall and near the bottom. And then you know, drill the hole and pump in that insulation. If you didn't, and it was only the wood siding, then they have to patch the hole and it's a big mess. So the fact you have vinyl right. siding is actually an advantage in this point. But whatever you do, definitely get insulation in that house any way you can. Okay, will do. All right, good luck. All right, Jeff. Thank you so much. And have a great weekend. You too. Thanks. Hey, let's get a few more emails here. We okay. appreciate all the emails we've received. We're trying to get to as many of them as we can. You can send us one right now. Today's homeowner.com slash ask. This came in from uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Andy asked, I'm tiling our bathroom floor. What type of adhesive should I use to install the two-foot square tiles over the cement backer board? Of course, Joe, I know that you dealt with the larger tiles in your right. wonderful tile book. Uh, you have to go about that just slightly different, particularly in the size of notches you have in your trial and right. the type of adhesive you use on that larger format tile. Yeah, he's saying adhesive and what we're, and there is a thing called tile adhesive, but this you really are using thin set mortar. For larger tiles, they actually make a, a thin set mortar that's specifically formulated for larger tiles. It's known as LFT mortar, which stands for large format tile. Um, um, Custom Building Products makes one called VersaBond LFT. Um, which I would recommend. Um, but anyway, yeah, so you want to definitely use an LFT tile uh, mortar for larger tiles. And as far as the notch trials, trials, there's not 
there's not a, a set rule that if you have this size tile, this is the size notch. It's often the same, but sometimes it's not. So you really just have to go by what the manufacturer of the tile recommends or what's on the mortar, the, the thin set mortar, what's on the bag itself. Because as Danny said, you have to use the right size uh, trowel to make those those uh, grooves in the in the in the mortar itself before you set the tile. And the reason you do that is when you press it down, it squeezes, it leaves a little bit of air to squeeze out and forms a suction. That's the reason you have those those notches to begin with. And I'll tell you what, if you're doing, you know, planning on a tile project or maybe more, uh, several tile projects, well worth it to pick up Joe's book on Amazon.com. It's uh, Joe, tell us uh, the, the correct title of it. It's just called Tiling. It's a homeowner's guide to tiling. I think it's called Stanley's actually because we wrote the book in association with Stanley Works, Stanley uh-huh. Tools, and it's called uh, – uh, homeowner's guide to tiling. Thanks, Danny. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of good, uh, straightforward information there. Instead of bouncing around on the internet and getting a lot of different opinions, Joe lays it all out in a very straightforward way using uh, products and uh, processes that have worked very, very well. Another email coming in here, Brian in Jefferson City, Missouri. Hey, Danny, what's the trick to remove vinyl wallpaper? I sprayed it down with diff wallpaper remover, covered the wall with thin plastic, then waited an hour or so, but the wallpaper was still stuck on there. I don't want to damage the drywall by trying to scrape it off. What do you suggest? Well, the thing about vinyl wallpaper, and it is certainly used, uh, has been used a lot over the years, you got to get through that vinyl coating in order for your diff um, wallpaper remover to work. So um, a crazy little tool called a paper tiger, and it has all these little teeth on it. You basically just rub it right over the face of the vinyl. It pokes thousands the little holes in it. That way, when you put your wallpaper remover on it, it'll get to the glue that's on the wall and deactivate that. That'll allow the wallpaper to come down fairly easy. All of it requires a little bit of scraping here and there. And while you're scraping, just be careful not to damage that drywall. But the best way to do it is to go to todayshomeowner.com on our internal search engine there, put removing wallpaper or wallpaper remover formula. You'll find about four or five ingredients you probably have right around the house there. Uh, really hot water and the plastic that you mentioned putting over it works very, very well. But if you'll check that uh, formula out online, use that. I guarantee you it'll work better than anything I have ever seen in removing wallpaper. And and you know that formula, Joe, it has um, you know, like dishwashing liquid in it. Right. Why in the world yeah. would you want that? But in reading about it, it, it just slows down the evaporation rate to allow the diff and the vinegar and the water right. and everything else that you have in there to start working on turning that glue loose because that's the secret to getting that wallpaper off. And that's exactly why we also recommend the plastic that Brian used because when the wall's wet and you stick this plastic, and we're talking about the thinnest plastic, I think it's like 0.25 mil. Uh-huh. So we're talking about like, mm-hmm. we it's, always it's call it, almost, always, yeah, we always that? call it painter's plastic. Painter's you know, plastic, right. And it's inexpensive yeah. and you get a lot you of it. stick it right on. Yeah, for two bucks, you get like three rolls. And you stick that on, and that's the whole purpose of slow down that evaporation. Because if it evaporates really quickly, of course, it's not doesn't have time to work. So uh, so Brian was right to do that. But yeah, with vinyl wallpaper, the paper tiger is absolutely the way to get that 
um, remover to soak into the glue. Hey, when we come back here on today's Homeowner Radio, we're going to be talking about hairline cracks, what can you do about them in brick mortar joints, and also someone has a brand new pressure-treated wood fence. They'd like to stain it, but they're not sure exactly where to start. All of that and a whole lot more coming up here on today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio, the number one place for practical, realistic home improvement tips. Call anytime, 800-946-4420. Welcome back to today's homeowner radio here are danny and joe so glad to be with you each and every week here on today's homeowner radio and always encourage you to just stop what you're doing and send us your comments or any of the challenges that you're having you can send us an email at today's homeowner.com slash ask or the today's homeowner hotline 800-946-4420 that's exactly what brian did from new jersey brian welcome to the show and tell us what's going on there so I have a uh, currently have a wooden deck that measures 12 foot wide by about 14 long, and I actually like to double it this spring, the, mm-hmm. at least the width to about 24. It's about 30 inches off the ground, and my question is, can I add an existing deck to this to the old deck? And if I do, do I have to keep the existing deck flush with the new deck, or should I step up or step down? I'm not sure of my different options. Offsets in deck surfaces um, sometimes can add a nice uh, decorative element to it, but also adds one heck of a trip hazard. And um, that would be one of the things that uh, I would be concerned with there. If you create kind of a separate deck like that, and maybe you're going to have a table right in the center of it, that's kind of a cool look. It's just like it was done intentionally. For the most part, I would always recommend keeping it on the same level because it just gives you more options, ability to move things around. You don't have that trip hazard. So um, I would uh, I would tend to think there. Joe, um, any opinion on that? Yeah, I have a slightly different opinion, actually, Brian, than that, um, only because I don't always like seeing a giant sea of decking. So now you're talking about 24 feet of flat decking, like an aircraft carrier. Um, But Danny's right. Stepping it up or stepping it down creates a bit of a tripping hazard, which is why when you do that, when you change levels, you always run the decking perpendicular to the decking that it's adjacent to, right? So if the decking on the old deck, let's say, is running parallel with the house, when you build the addition onto it and you step it up or down, you run it perpendicular to the house, right? Or or at 45 degrees or whatever. And what that does is that, that tricks the, the brain and the eye. You see that. You see that there's a difference in the pattern of the decking. And so you know to step up or step down. You can attach it directly to this deck. More importantly is how are you going to support the new deck before attaching it, mm-hmm. whether you attach it flush or not. So you're going to have to have posts, maybe four by four posts set in the ground, hopefully on concrete footings, right? Supporting the, right. So you'll have the same thing and you might be able to just have them around the perimeter of it and then just bolt it securely to the deck, you know, so you won't have to have another set depending on what the building code is in your area. You'll have to check with them. And are you going to keep the existing deck material the same? Like you you have, maybe you have pressure treated, you're going to put pressure treated on the new section or you replace all the, all the decking. I have uh, pressure treated um, okay. decking, and 
if I keep if I go with the flush option, I wasn't sure whether I had to replace all the decking. To no, not if it's in good shape. Yeah, deck. yeah. No, if it's in good, if the old deck's in decent shape, I would keep it and obviously put down the same material, pressure treated. Okay, that's great. That's great advice, and I, I love the idea about changing the pattern in the deck floor. Oh, good. The eye. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys. All right, good, Brian. I think you're pretty smart to get ahead, you know, get ahead of the weather here a little bit. Do some planning, like a lot of our our listeners are doing, and then you can get the deck ready. And next thing you know, the springtime is there, and you're out grilling away while everybody else is trying to figure out what they want to do. So good for you, Brian. I hope uh, the project goes well for you, and I hope you have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, guys. Hey, you're listening to today's homeowner radio. We're going to tackle a few emails right now. You can send us one at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. That's what Bill from Ocala, Florida did. How do I fix hairline cracks in brick mortar joints? Very common question and a very common problem. Certainly, we have a lot of information at todayshomeowner.com to address various ways of doing this. But in a nutshell, it's basically wherever that crack is, you just want to um, take a, um, you know, maybe a dull chisel or an old screwdriver and just kind of deepen the, the, the gap just a little, deepen the crack just a little so that it will accept mortar. Now, the very best way to do it is to find the exact mortar that was used on your house. Hopefully, you can do that by contacting the builder. Maybe you were the builder and find out exactly what, concre- uh, what mortar was used. Mix it properly. That's a big mistake a lot of people make is they just don't follow the ratios of sand and mortar when you're mixing it together. So you want to make sure you you do the right combination there. Then basically get you a good pair of gloves and just force that mortar right into that crack and just keep working it with a with a damp cloth to make it that make that crack go away and hopefully it's not an active settling situation that would make that crack come back um, and that's about as simple as it is uh, more information available to you at today's homeowner Com. One more here, Joe. Uh, okay. uh, Laura from Nashville, Tennessee said, I want to stain my newly installed pressure-treated wood fence. Can you give me some tips or advice? Is this something I can do myself? So, you know, you have, of course, some waiting time on the treated wood, but it's a pretty simple one uh, to do yourself. Yeah. Um, first, you know, as Danny said, you have to wait for it to dry out a little bit. And how long? Well, that depends on how how often it's been raining. Um, but once it's good and dry, and what you can do is spray it with a little water and see if the water, it's a little harder on a vertical surface, but if the water soaks right in, that means the wood's dry and it will accept the stain. And then, okay, how do you apply the stain neatly? Well, you could roll it on. I would try spraying it on, even if you use a just a pump-up sprayer, like a garden sprayer or something like that to apply the stain. And then back brush it, meaning get a brush and after you spray the stain on, brush it in as well as you can. Um, there's no real trick to it. You know, you want to be careful not to get it all over any nearby plants or your neighbor's property or anything like that. Um, do both sides, do the ends. Of course, the, the most important part is to soak that stain into the ends of the boards, which are mo- very porous and soak up moisture. So you want to protect them, but that's about it. Right, Danny. I mean, you want to use, and don't use a solid color stain, use a semi-transparent because solid color stains are closer to paint and they'll blister off, especially being outdoors like this. Um, but that's really about all you need to do. Apply it and back, back brush it. 
Well, here's something that you need to be aware of there is you almost need to do both sides at the same time because if you go down and you stain it and a little bit of it sneaks over to the other side, it'll be dry before you get around there and right. you'll have, you know, kind of a real inconsistent look. So best case scenario, um, hopefully you're good friends with your neighbors and you guys can kind of do it at the same time. And you, depending on how large the fence is, you might consider renting or buying a airless sprayer. An airless sprayer can really pick up the paste. You can apply the paint with it, but you still need to back brush it in order to force it into the pores of the wood. Again, we appreciate all of these emails we've gotten. We've got a few more that we're going to tackle. When we come back, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Hey, Walter, remind you about podcasts. We have several podcast channels. You can listen to any of the past radio episodes or our daily tips for today's homeowner and our weekly Ask Danny episodes all in one convenient place. All you need to do is search for the Today's Homeowner podcast on your favorite podcasting app. We'd love for you to um, um, you know, join in with us. We've got a lot of information that we provide that way. And of course, like we always do, we have a little fun along the way. I'm Danny Lepford along with my buddy Joe Truini, and we're tackling a few emails here like this one that came in from Don in Toms River, New Jersey. That's a nice little area of the country there. After tiling our kitchen floor, I filled the joints between the tiles with grout, but the color on the bag is very different than what the grout turned out to be. Can I stain the existing grout a different color? If so, what product would I use? Joe, that's a bad feeling when you... Oh, yeah. And, and, and some of these tile samples or, or grout samples are about as big as a darn postage stamp. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's hard to get a good feel for that or, or to see what it'll look like in the, you know, it area is, that yeah. you're using and the lighting that you're using. But what would you recommend to Tom here in terms of maybe altering that color a little bit? Yeah, well, they do make stains. Um, sometimes they're called grout colorants. Custom Building Products makes one called Poly Blend. I think it's called Grout Renew, and then they make a colorant called Aqua Mix. Um, both are water-based epoxies, very easy to apply. But the, the, the thing you need to do first is to clean the old grout, then apply an acid wash. What the acid wash does is it opens up the pores of the old grout, so then it'll accept the new stain or colorant. So um, so get, you know, so first clean it, and then go to, you know, any building supply, home center. And if you can't find... Um, one of these acid washes, they're sometimes called acid crystals. They dissolve in water. Um, you can go to a tile store and they'll have it. But it's really important to clean it, after you clean it, to open up those pores. This way he'll get a nice consistent color once he puts that new colorant in. That's good. And that sounds like a great idea. And it's really a lot easier than you might think. Here's another right. email from Chelsea, Massachusetts. Doreen asked, my 70-year-old home has wooden double-pane windows, which are in surprisingly good shape. However, three of the windows are painted shut and just impossible to open. How can I free them without breaking the window? Well, Doreen, I'm glad you sent in this email because this is something that uh, has, has several facets to it. First of all, every window in your house should 
open easily in case you need it to get out in a hurry. And also, windows are great to, whenever you can, open those windows up and get a little bit of that fresh air in. You can't do that if it's painted shut. What I generally will do is to start out with a really thin bladed metal putty knife and go all the way around the the actual sash start with the lower sash and go all the way around where that meets the trim boards or any of the um, guides that you have around it and just kind of slip that in there to um, to separate it from where it's painted shut. Do this on the inside and the outside. Then you want to use a flat bar and maybe a little piece of wood or even a an old um, rag to keep you from um, gouging any of the window seal. Then just slowly apply a little bit of pressure on it, just real slow, because this is where the potential to break the glass can happen. And you do just a little bit of work around that, and it'll start moving. Now, it won't be just suddenly it's working. It's going to take a little bit of sanding, maybe a little bit of chipping of paint here and there to really get it to move very well. And also, I've heard a lot of people have a lot of success once they get it moving to use the old paraffin wax to kind of keep it moving in a fairly good way. Yeah. And well, first, make sure you unlock the window. I've seen too many people <laughs> trying to open it. They realize, oh, darn it. I forgot the window's locked. Um, yeah. Danny's right. It, the paint is usually between the sash, the inside sash, inside surface of the sash and the the stop, the window stop, which is that narrow vertical piece of wood on either side. And worst case scenario, if you can't, and also the meeting rail where the two sash, the upper sash and the lower sash meet where that lock is. Sometimes the glue, the um, paint will act like a glue along that vertical joint. Um, but in, in a worst case scenario, you can always just pry off, score the stop so you don't chip it or chip the sash, score the sash, score it with a uh, razor knife and just pry off the sat, pry off those stops, pull them from the side jams. You'll never get them off in one piece, so you have to replace them. They'll bust up, they'll bust in half to get them out. But that will certainly free up the sash. And then when you apply the new the new stops, don't press it right up against that sash. Leave it, you know, just a sixteenth. Put a slip of paper in there or something. Give you a little way to, a little wiggle room. Um, but hopefully you can do all that without removing the stops. There you go. And I mean, you really do, um, once you get those windows where they operate well, you'll use them a lot more and right. get letting, you know, when that weather changes to where you can't allow that uh, uh, fresh air in, you'll be glad you did. Hey, Joe, we got Simple Solution coming up. What can you tell us about it? We do indeed. It's how to um, add extra storage to your ventilated shelving system. All right. Danny Lipford here along with my buddy Joe Truini, and you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Coming up, a simple solution. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. We certainly appreciate each and every week you taking a little bit of your busy weekend to spend with us. We get so many great emails and calls on the hotline about how you enjoy the show, how you enjoy us, our kind of home improvement. And we appreciate each and every one of those comments. And, of course, we also hear how much people love our simple solution. Joe, what do you have for us here? All right, Danny, if you have ventilated metal wire shelving in your home, um, most people know it as closet-made shelving because I guess they are the largest manufacturer. And people have them in closets and pantries, stuff like that. And they're, they're a great way to take a, a big space and fill it up, or even a small space, and fill it up with storage. But here's how to add 
a little bit of extra storage to those systems. Go out to the hardware store or home center and buy several metal S-hooks. And what you do is you just take these S-hooks and you slip them onto the wire shelving. It could be onto the shelving itself, the wire that's on the horizontal part or on the front edge of it where it kind of rolls down. You can hook it on there. And then use a pair of pliers to pinch close the hooks just so they don't pop off. And hooks are great for hanging all sorts of items that would ordinarily be taking up valuable space on the shelf itself or that doesn't really fit on the shelf. We're talking about like dust pans, little mm-hmm. dust brooms, hand towels, flashlights, belts, scarves, anything like that. And once you have these S-hooks on there, you'll, you'll find uses for them. So try that and you'll see you can expand the storage capacity of your shelving unit dramatically. Well, I tell you, that's one of the, some of my favorite projects is when you, you know, get, take an existing space, reorganize it, maybe add a little shelving, add a little, few little things yep. there, put everything back in. It's nice and clean, so much more organized. And it's just kind of like, um, you know, things that you face uh, every morning, you know, your, right. your, your, your bathroom, your closet, your kitchen, you really want a little order in your life. And that's a good step towards that in any closet. You can see this and over 550 other simple solutions by going to todayshomeowner.com slash simple solution. Also, while you're there at todayshomeowner.com, click over on the TV page and see uh, exactly where you can see the Today's Homeowner television show this weekend. We're in every state all over the country. This is our 25th year on national television. And this week we have one called a closet divided. And this is kind of cool that a husband and wife had this. uh, It's basically the same closet, fairly large closet with a wall right down the middle. When the builder built the house, of course, it's mirror image, whatever's on the right's on the left. Well, that didn't quite suit the way they lived. She needed a little more shelving, a little more um, cabinetry. He just needed it, a very, very simple uh, layout and so forth. So we worked together with him and created the closet that worked out great. I'd love for you to see the little special um, pass-through laundry chute that we did where we cut a hole all the way through the wall from the closet into the laundry room. So efficient. They absolutely loved it. So check it out by going to today's homeowner.com. That's one of the things though, Joe, uh, during this time of year, you hear a lot of people trying to get organized, a lot of people sure. trying to minimize some of their uh, things they have. And uh, uh, it can take a while But if you put a little bit of cash in your pocket and you're able to help someone out or you donate some things and get the tax right off, either way, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, and we often say you don't have to do all the closets at once in this case. Or if you're painting, if you want to paint the interior of your house, take one room and paint it. And then if it takes another few weeks or months to paint the other room, that's fine as well. And the same thing with these closets. In fact, um, when we talk about the Four Seasons Um, which are maintenance chores to do around your house. We break it down into the four seasons. Often we say that exact thing. If you organize one closet, don't wait until you have a a whole weekend to organize all the closets because then you'll never do it. Just organize one closet. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with this. Organize one closet, you know, add shelving. If you have ventilated shelving, get some S-hooks and you'd be surprised. Hey, that's going to pretty much wrap it up for this week. We really had a lot of fun. Always do each and every week. Hope we've been able to provide you some information that you can really use around your house. I'm Danny Lifford along with my buddy Joe Truini and our great engineer producer Corey Wilson and the whole Today's Homeowner family says we hope you have a great weekend and a good week and look forward to seeing you next week here on today's Homeowner Radio.